Wow, what a, what a beautiful day we had here today. Um, have we really had a winner yet? We've, we've been so blessed. Uh, I think there, according to the calendar, there's maybe a couple days left of winter, but uh, I don't know, it sure doesn't look like it. Uh, uh, <clears throat> how many of you got a chance to get outside today, or if not today, hopefully tomorrow, uh, just to be able to, be able to enjoy uh, this beautiful weather? Uh, I don't know about you, but spring is, is certainly my, one of my favorite times of year, just uh, just the, the, the renewing feeling of the, of the, the leaves coming back and the, the grass kind of greening up and just that, just that feeling of being alive. It's just a, an awesome time just, to, just to, to enjoy God's creation out there. Um, usually after such a, a, a cold, long winter, which we really didn't get this year, but it's still exciting just to see the time of change. So uh, bow your hoods, heads as we uh, pray, if you would, please. Uh, Lord Jesus, we... Um, we just thank you for this, uh, for this evening, Father. We thank you for this time that we can get together and just worship you, Father. We thank you for everyone that's here tonight. Lord, please um, just prepare our hearts and open our hearts and allow us just to uh, set aside the busyness of this day, Father, and help us just to, um, to just be open to hear your word tonight, Father, to allow you to just speak to our hearts. and Father, just... Uh, just, um, just help us to feel your presence tonight. We love you, and we thank you for this opportunity, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, as I was driving in uh, earlier today, before it got dark, um, I, I noticed there was so many people outside raking, cleaning up their lawns, doing all, these, uh, doing all the, the events that we all like to do when it's, when it's nice out. And uh, we, we see this is the time of year that traditionally we start to get outside and do some yard work. We start cleaning up the house a little bit you know, maybe break out the paintbrush and touch up some spots that kind of got weathered through the winter. And, you know, we're planting flowers and, you know, really just sprucing up the place. We all, we all want our houses to look good for the barbecues coming up this summer. Um, so, <clears throat> but spring is really, is, is generally the time that, we, like I said, that we, we focus more of our attention on, on the outside appearance of our house. And we will often spend, you know, countless hours, weekends, cleaning our yards and, and raking our lawns and, and doing all these things. But, you know, I don't know if you ever noticed, uh, April and I have had a few weekends where, you know, we've been outside working in the yard together. And, you know, all the time, all of a sudden it's, wow, it's 7 o'clock, it's Sunday night. We need, to, we need to get the kids ready for school tomorrow, and we need to start getting cleaned up, cleaned up. And, you know, we kind of walk into the house, and you, suddenly you realize that maybe you've, you've neglected some of the inside stuff a little bit. Um, you know, you look, and the, the garbage can's kind of full, flowing over, and maybe the dishes need to be done, but you, your whole focus has just been on the outside. <clears throat> well, as we continue to, uh, to look at this lesson uh, called, in this season that we were talking about, uh, called Lent, um, how are you preparing for this Easter season? Is Easter, Easter just an excuse for you to get dressed up? Is it one of those holidays where you spend all kinds of cleaning up the outside in your life? <clears throat> Um, maybe you buy yourself a new tie. Maybe you ladies here decide you're going to get yourself a nice new dress. You know, I, I, I actually love that time of year, and I, I truly I get excited. Um, it's, a, it's a great time for our kids to get dressed up, uh, put on their nice clothes. But, you know, really, is that enough? You know, uh, it seems every year my, my wife April will buy Emma a nice little dress and Adam a new shirt and tie, and you see the girls walking in with their bonnets and all that stuff. And it's neat to see, but, but really, is that enough? Is, are we spending too much time cleaning up the outside when maybe the inside's kind of, a, kind of messy? <clears throat> well, I believe that's something that, that God would want to speak to us about tonight as we continue to celebrate this, this uh, time of, of Lent, this preparation of Easter 
as we, as we continue to, to just prepare our hearts for what lies ahead uh, in, in Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, <clears throat> I believe God wants to show us that um, in order for us to, to really be prepared for this, we need to make sure that the inside's tidier than the outside. It, uh, certainly, the inside is more important than what's on the outside. So how do we go about uh, cleaning up the inside? How, how, can we, how can we prepare our hearts? That's what this series is about, is you know, preparing our hearts and, and taking the steps to get ready for, for the celebration of Easter. Well, it starts by having, um, really, it starts by, by having sorrow over the sin, which ultimately leads us to trusting God. By trusting God, we'll always follow. We can always follow His ways. So really, I think in preparation for for this Easter season, we really need to ask ourselves, you know, I, we, we know that um, there, is, there is sin in this world and we know that um, sin is something that separates us from God. Whether you're a Christian or not, you know, we still, we still sin. And, the, and really, are you, are you sorry for your sin or are you broken over your sin? Listen up, this is, uh, this is an important part. Truly, whether you're sorry for your sin or if you're broken for your sin, it can be the difference of a matter of, of life or death. Uh, as Chris shared, the primary verses we'll be looking at tonight are actually in Psalm 51. Uh, if you want to go ahead and start turning to Psalm 51. And as we look together at God's Word, we see that God blesses brokenness. Uh, the title of the message is actually Turning Our Thoughts Toward God. So let's take a look at um, Psalm uh, chapter 51, verses 16 and 17, and I'll go ahead and read those. It says, For you do, not delight in, you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. We see that God, He doesn't delight, delight in sacrifice and that He's not pleased with our burnt offering. One of the key, the key words uh, to these verses here is heart. Uh, that's, that's such an important part of God's message to us through these verses. It, it's our heart. God's not interested in, he says, he's not interested in, in rituals. He's not interested in our sacrifices. What he wants is, is genuine repentance from us. All these other things, these rituals, these, uh, these burnt offerings, these things done without heart is nothing but, but religion. And truly, that's not what God wants. We see that what God wants is a contrite heart, not, not religion, not our works. You know, these, these works that we do, or we've, we've gotten accustomed to doing, maybe it's kind of a, more of a cultural thing in our country, uh, in certain places that we live, that, you know, okay, part of us preparing for Easter is, you know what, every year at this time we do this, and, you know, we don't do this, and Easter or whatever time in life, if there are things that we're doing that we think are pleasing God, but our heart's not in it, we're not pleasing Him. We're not pleasing Him at all. It may satisfy our flesh, but truly it won't satisfy the, our Lord. God isn't pleased with our sacrifices. The only sacrifice acceptable to God was Jesus paying the penalty of our sins and dying on the cross. That is the only sacrifice that pleases our Lord. God wants brokenness. A contrite heart, as God says, what He wants, means to collapse. And that can be either mentally or physically. <clears throat> so the question we need to ask ourselves is, how do we become broken or contrite? 
we see that it's a, it's a brokenness uh, physically or mentally. But how, how do we do this? Well, we, it's only when we realize that we can't, we can't do this on our own. That brokenness, we, we, we can't get broken on our own. It's only when, when God draws us to him. And it's when we stop fighting God's direction in our lives. We stop running from the sin in our life. We get to the point where we're so exhausted, sometimes in our lives, that you know, we've, we've been escaping God, or so we think we've been escaping God. We've been running away from our sins. We've been trying to do things on our own. But we really see that, that when, we get, when we ultimately get exhausted, when we can run no more, when we can fight no more, we stop trying to sin on our own, stop sin on our own. It's at the point when we collapse at the feet of Jesus and we beg for his mercy and grace. That's a contrite heart. That's what God wants. We can't do it on our own. Our, our sacrifices, our rituals, they're nothing to God. It's when we fall to our knees and cry out to the Lord, I can't do this, I need you. <clears throat> We've tried everything else on our own. We see so much of this in our world nowadays. People searching for the Lord. People search, they don't even, some people, people they don't even know what they're searching for. It's sad to see that they, there's, we, it's written on a man's heart. The law, of, the law is written on a man's heart. We know what's wrong. We know that we're separated from God. We know that there's sin in our life, but, but we, we, run, we run from it. We turn to so many different directions in our life. We think if we do this, and we think if we don't, if we don't do that, then we're good. But, but God's word tells us he wants our heart. <clears throat> and, it, and it's at this point when we ultimately give up doing it our way, and we seek God's way, we fall to him, that's when we become broken. That's when he'll help us. That's the point. We, we, we just give it over to him. God, that's the point when God wants to use us. He can use us more than ever at that point. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 tells us that God is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he had loved us. Even when we were dead in transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been, been saved. So we need to understand that the, the death, the dead in our transgressions. We need to understand that without, without being broken, without coming to the Lord, that our transgressions are sin, that we're dead. We're dead in our transgression. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 uh, the, in the NIV tells us, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us here is that God uses broken things. Are you broken? Are you at the point where God can use you? The Apostle Paul says that we are all like jars of clay. When you think of clay, we think of something that's moldable, that's shapeable. But in his time, jars of clay were considered cheap, breakable, replaceable. You know, sure, they were needed around the house. We, we even have jars that we use now. You know, we, we call them bowls. We might, we might have had our breakfast in it this morning or had our lunch or whatever. Or they serve all kinds of different purposes. But really, they're, they're dispensable. They're cheap. They're able to be broken. They're really nothing special uh, compared to many things in our house. And actually, in the time of, of when Paul would have written this, uh, most of the pots at that, at that point were actually used more to hold garbage and similar to, to toilets, really. They were um, to hold, meant to hold human waste. Um, really, not this. Paul's not trying to gross us out here, but he's just 
he, he's trying to prove his point that, you know what, that he has nothing to boast about. We, we don't have anything to boast about. It's through God. He's nothing. We're not, Paul considered his life to be like an old pot. His, his strength, everything that he, any strength that he has, anything that he does, any forgiveness of sins, anything that he has comes through the Lord. He knew that salvation came through God's power and that it first starts with brokenness. Um, I want to share a little story with you. Uh, about five years or so, maybe six years ago, my family and I actually decided we were going to get some horses. I had grown up, uh, grown up wanting to have horses all my life, and my parents said, no, we're, you know, a dog's good. I was fortunate to have the dog. You're not getting horses. So, you know what, I grew up, I became a big boy, and you know what, I'm going to get some horses. So we got ourselves a couple of horses. I, did, I thought I did pretty well. I had no clue what I was doing. We were blessed. We got two docile horses that we could we could ride and we were we were blessed but um little we found up uh uh finding out later though that the mare that we had bought actually was um expecting um she was getting bigger and bigger and we're like what's going on here and turns out she had uh she had a little one on the way so boy was i i was in a for a big surprise when uh when that foal came, I, you know, I started reading all kinds of books and talking with people about horses who had horses, thought, oh yeah, I can, I can do this, you know, but I had no idea what it really entailed when that, uh, that horse came out there. I tell you, if you haven't ever seen a horse born, they're big. They're like, I mean, you know, these aren't this little baby you hold. These things are big and uh, they're a handful. You know, uh, we did good for, we did good for a couple months and, you know, the horse started to grow and get strong and they get strong quick. And, you know, there was, uh, I remember this particular time, uh, Daisy was uh, the horse's name. My kids had named her and uh, the flies were just terrible. It was uh, early spring and I, I decided I was going to put some fly spray. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law can attest to that. They, they witnessed this. They, I decided I was going to put some fly spray on uh, the horse. So, you know, I grab a hold of her, and I start spraying a little bit, and she starts backing away, and I'm like, oh, we're going to do this. So I start spraying, and little enough, she, she reared up and kicked me right in the face. I was not expecting that at all. You know, I, I thought I was helping her by, by keeping the flies off, but uh, I guess she didn't see it that way. So I remember just thinking to myself, like, all right, we are going to do this. You know, uh, I can be as hard-headed as you. We're, we're going to do this, horse. Well, I, I really thought, thought wrong. Um, I've since learned that in order to train a horse, a horse has to be broken first. And uh, really, if you ever have any intentions of, of using a horse, uh, someone's got to break that horse. That horse has got to learn to yield to its handler and give up its strength submitting before you can ever trust it to do anything. And, you know, I think sometimes that's what God, will, the way he works in our life. You know, sometimes I think when, when God wants to correct us or God wants to use us, but uh, sometimes he has to break us. And, you know, sometimes when God, you know, attempts to, uh, to change us, to draw him to him, uh, some of us rear up. I've done it myself, just like that little horse. But really, if we're ever going to be used by God, we've truly, we've got to be broken. <clears throat> so let's take a look and see that, um, let's talk a little bit about sin. Uh, none of us are exempt from the results of sin. There's not one of us in this room here that uh, is exempt. Sin doesn't, sin doesn't have a hold of me. Sin doesn't bother me. I don't have to deal with it. I've been a Christian for 100 years or, you know, I've been a Christian for a day. It affects everybody. It's, we all, we all uh, suffer from sin. So listen up. Um, sin is a true condition. Uh, turn with me, if you would, back to uh, Psalms 51, and we're going to look at uh, verse 5. Psalm 51, verse 5, and it says, 
Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. The key to that verse, as we see, is that in sin my mother conceived me. Every one of us here were born into sin. Sin started back in the creation of, of way back in Genesis when God was creating the world and he created man and woman. Sin entered the world at that point and it's been around ever since. We live in a fallen world. <clears throat> we are not to love this world or the things of the world. Meaning we're not, spo- we're not to love the sin in this world. Yet God directs us to love each other, to love him, but we're not to love the sin of this world. Sin can be fun. It can seem like a lot of fun sometimes, you know, but, but we're not to love sin. Anything that's against God's will is sin. And none of us are above any sin. Matthew twenty six forty one tells us to keep watching and praying that you may not enter into, into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, our flesh is weak. It's only through the work of the Holy Spirit that we're able to resist temptations of this world. That's that brokenness again, realizing that, you know what, I can't do it by myself. My flesh is weak, but his spirit is strong. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us to be of sober spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Wow, that's quite a picture there. We have an enemy, the devil, who's prowling around like a lion seeking its prey, just waiting to pounce on any one of us at any particular time, just looking for weakness. And you know when we're weak? When we do things on our own. But we're strong through the Spirit. If you want to keep sin away, I think that's a key. We've got to stay strong. We've got to trust in Him. When we're weak, that's when the enemy attacks. Sin is what separates us from God. And sin has to be dealt with. Thankfully, God has provided a way for, for sin to be dealt with. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us so that our sins could be dealt with. But as, a, as we continue to look at sin, remember that um, if you're a Christian here today, again, you're not exempt from sin. We all struggle, but thankfully, with God's help, through His strength, we can have victory. But really, it, it comes, what it comes down to is trusting in Him and not ourselves. Again, sin is a real condition. How many of you have ever met anybody that's, um, that's living in denial? Well, I can tell you personally, there's a, there's a man in my life that uh, is, is special to me. Um, he, he's got a special place in my heart. We're very close. And uh, he's a heavy smoker and has been since the age of 14. Now, I'm not here to pick on smokers, but it's proven that smoking can kill people. He's a two-time survivor of cancer bladder cancer, and prostate cancer, yet he continues to smoke. I can't understand why he does this. I mean, it's killing me. It's killing the ones that love him. Whenever I approach him about it, he becomes very defensive and refuses to believe the truth about smoking. He denies that the evidence of smoking is a disease and refuses to deal with it, refuses to deal with what unfortunately is killing him. Now, again, I'm not here to pick on smokers. There's so many other things out there that, that we live in denial about. Alcohol, so many sins that we live in denial. But the truth is we can't deny it. We all have a disease called sin that's killing us if we deny to refuse it or accept, if we refuse to accept it, we have no chance for survival. Sin is just like any other disease. It has to be treated, although it's different from other diseases. God has guaranteed a cure for us if we'll accept it. 
you know, as we think about cancer and, and all these different diseases, that, you know what, it has to be treated. But sin is just like any other disease, but, but God has given us a cure. Amen to that. <clears throat> Being broken and realizing that sin is a true condition is ultimately what leads us to repentance. And we see that repentance is actually what's needed for salvation. Uh, turn with me over to uh, 2 Corinthians, if you would, in your Bibles, over to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. We're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians 7, uh, verse 10. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. <clears throat> and it says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Again, the sorrow of the world is what produces death. In this passage, we see there's two different forms of sorrow. There's salvation. There are two different types of sorrow, salvation and, and death. And let's take a look at the first one. The first one we, we want to look at today is, is worldly sorrow. And we see in God's Word that that actually that leads to death. This is also known as, as human sorrow. Usually this, this type of sorrow is, um, is felt when we, when we experience consequences. We're not necessarily... You know, we're not necessarily sorry for the sin. We're more sorry that we got caught. We're focused on our own heart, not that, the fact that we've hurt God. Or maybe we're worried about our reputation. We're worried about what others are going to think of us. You know, we're not really thinking, God, I'm sorry that, uh, that I've sinned against you. It's God, maybe not even God. I'm just more sorry that I got caught. You know, what is this going to do for my what is this going to do for my job? What is this going to do for my family? What is this going to do for my reputation? That's worldly sorrow. That kind of sorrow leads to death. But then there's there's another kind of sorrow that's godly sorrow, and this leads to life. Uh, I'm going to look at uh, if you want to flip over to, to Jonah, back over to Jonah in the Old Testament, uh, Jonah chapter three. We're gonna we're gonna look and see uh, uh, about how God. Um, winds up saving the people of Nineveh uh, because, of, because of repentance. Um, this is really a, 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 a good example of what true repentance is. Uh, Jonah chapter 3, I'm going to read, uh, start out with chapter 4, excuse me, with verse 4. It says, Then Jonah began to go to, through the city on a day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He's, he's warning them, Nineveh is going to be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. You see that they believed God. God was, God was warning them, I am going to destroy this city. But the people believed God, and they repented. And then we look down at uh, uh, verse 10. It says, When God saw their deeds, and that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which had been declared. He would bring upon them, and he did not do it. That's true repentance right there. God's warn- God warned the people of Nineveh. God is warning us, repent, and I won't destroy you. Godly sorrow leads to life. <clears throat> true repentance, um, this is true repentance, and true repentance is produced by the Holy Spirit. And praise God if, um, if um, you are repentant. And you know what? When you've sinned, you feel a separation from God, you feel that nagging on your heart? Be so thankful of that. Praise God, because that's evidence that God is working in you. We see that repentance leads to salvation. 
often when, when you, uh, a classic way of knowing that you, are, that you are a believer is that you have a repentant heart. You may experience uh, several of these things. You know, a genuine heart sorrow or a brokenness for the sin in your life. You're seeking forgiveness from God. It deeply grieves you for disobeying God to the point that you become fearful. If you're a Christian here today, there was a time in your life that you weren't. There was a time that you were separated from God. And uh, sin is what separates us from Him. You know, I'm not saying that once you, you know, it only takes one time. When, you, when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're sealed with Him. That can't be taken away. But you know what? Sin can ruin our relationship with Him. It can, it can, it can have serious effects on our, to our relationship. And you know what? We, if you are a believer, when you've sinned, that repentance in your heart, that fear of God, that sick feeling when you've sinned, that, that feeling of just at, uh, you're not at ease, you know something's wrong, praise God that is the Holy Spirit working in you. But you've got to get that right. <clears throat> Repentance can be defined as a change of mind or a change for the better. Now, I, I think that was certainly a change for the better in the, in the case of uh, Nineveh. Um, this is a, ultimately, um, repentance is, is a form of surrender. It's, it's, telling, it's telling God that, you know what, I don't like my way. My way is not satisfying. My way isn't working. This is when you need to turn to God for help. You can ask Jesus into your heart. At this point, you can ask, if you're not a Christian, even if you are, you ask for forgiveness of your sins. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never asked for forgiveness of your sins before, this is how you can start a relationship with Him. The Bible tells us that all the sin in your life will be washed away. If you you are um, contrite, you've fallen uh, fallen on your knees to Jesus, you've realized that I've been broken, I can't do this on my own. You cry out to the Lord, for the, maybe perhaps for the very first time, God hears you. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross for you. He wants to wash away your, swim, your sin. The Bible tells us that if you, if you do this, if you cry out to the Lord and ask him to come into your heart, that you will be a, a new creation. The old man is gone, the new is born. You are born again. Acts 3.19 says, Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Again, there's that key word, repent, so that your sins may be wiped away, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good right now, being refreshed, doesn't it? You know, maybe you've had a, maybe you've had a rough week, maybe you've had a rough year, maybe you've had a rough life. But how about getting refreshed by God? A repentant heart, again, is evidence of salvation. Unconfessed sin, as I shared before, will, will eat away at a believer's heart. You, you, you have that, it's, again, it's proof that you have a relationship with him. Uh, you know, just because you're, you're a believer doesn't mean you won't, you won't struggle with sin. But you know what? We want to get our lives right with him. We want to get back with him. We see in Matthew 3 that um, the first thing that John the Baptist actually preaches when he comes, the forerunner of Christ is to repent that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This, he, God sent him to prepare the way for God who's to, who's to come to earth, that Jesus is coming to earth to repent. Repentance is actually was Jesus' primary message to us. Uh, I want to share just a couple of verses with you. Uh, you don't have to turn if you don't want. Uh, I'm going to start with, um, with Mark 1. Just, just the importance and just the, how much God actually uses repent. 
and repentance. And it's true, the, the, the entire Bible, the context of the Bible is all about repentance. Uh, Mark 1, verse 15 says, this is Jesus talking, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of, the gospel, of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then if we flip over to uh, Luke 5, 32, it says, I have come to call the righteous. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Again, there's that repentance. And then uh, Luke 13, 3, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then finally, we look at, um, at John, excuse me, Luke 24, 47. And again, this is Jesus talking. And it says, And the repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. The word repentance is used over 45 times in, the, in God's word. This is something serious. God's, God's trying to tell us something here. He must be serious. He wouldn't use this word 45 different times. And this is why he sent Jesus. This was his ministry here while he was here on earth. Repentance, repentance. He sent John the Baptist. Repentance. His entire word is about repentance. It must be, it must be serious. So what is it in your life that you're struggling with? Are you sorry for your sins? Sorry that maybe you've messed up your life? Things aren't normal in your life? Maybe such and such a person found out about your sin and you're so embarrassed. Maybe you lost a friend or a girlfriend just because, you know, someone, someone found out about you. Well, sure, you know, none of us want this to happen to us. And I, I don't believe God would want this to happen to us either. But did you know that this type of sorrow isn't what God wants? He doesn't, you know, he doesn't want self. He wants him. He wants your heart. He wants a brokenness for your sin. He wants us to turn from our sin and to trust him. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He, made, he came, Jesus came to earth to make us right with God. You see, really self doesn't have much to do with any of this. It's about him. We can't do any of this on our own. We rely on him. God sent Jesus to do something that we couldn't do on our own. Rituals, burnt sacrifices, religion, all these man-made things, we can't do that on our own. We need to trust him. If you are truly repentant of your sin, it should grieve you. As we think about Easter and what Jesus did for us on the cross, if we really think about what Jesus did on the cross, how can you, how can you help but be broken? God was beaten. He was spit upon. He died a horrible criminal's death. He suffered for us. He was an innocent. He was perfect. He was the only sinless human being ever to walk on earth. If you choose life and want to have victory over sin, you must realize that you can't do it on your own. We need a Savior to help us, and our Savior is Jesus. Only through him can we trust our sins to be forgiven. That is where healing and restoration begins. With his help, we can choose to repent, and we can turn away from our sinful desires of our flesh. Choosing the will of God and surrendering to our own lives is the only way. That is salvation. So really, if God has spoken to your heart tonight uh, about sin, about brokenness, about repentance, about asking for forgiveness of your sins, what are you, what are you waiting for? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from saying, Yes, Lord, I give up on myself. I know my, my ways don't work.
I need you. I can't do this on my own. I'm a sinner. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. What's holding you back? Are you tired of trying to earn grace on your own? I need you. Will you take this opportunity that God has given you to prepare you for this upcoming Easter season? Have you spent more time worrying about keeping the outside clean? Maybe for years. You know what? Every year, Easter rolls around. We get the new suit. We get the outside straightened out. But maybe this year is the year that God's calling you to get the inside straightened out. It's not too late. With God's help, he will help you clean up the inside. God wants to help you if you will trust him with your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you for, for your word, Father. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for sending him to die on the cross for us, Father. For doing something that we couldn't do on our own, Father. For forgiveness of our sins. Making our relationship right with you. So that we could have the promise of heaven, Father. And be with you. Lord, I'm so thankful for, for saving me, Father. I'm thankful for all those that you've saved in this room, Father. And I do pray for anyone that's here tonight that doesn't have a relationship with you. If there's anyone in this room, Father, that hasn't come to you with a contrite heart, Father, fallen on their knees, cried out to Jesus and told him, you know what, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. Please be my Savior. Please forgive me of my sins. God, I just please, I ask you to help someone with that decision that may need to make that tonight. That tonight is the night. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to, to learn more about you and thank you for speaking to our hearts. We love you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.